This week on the Off the Crossbar podcast, four games kick off the National Lacrosse League season and there were some inspiring and some surprising performances. A handful of NLL rookies made their debut and shone quite brightly. Power outages for Calgary and Vancouver saw them drop their season openers. And an early December start doesn't mean the fans will show up in droves. All that and more on OTCB. What is good, lacrosse fans, and welcome to another edition of the Off the Crossbar podcast here on SoundCloud and NLL Radio. My name is Teddy Jenner. Welcome to the show. You can find me on Twitter at Off the Crossbar, or you can email me teddy.jenner at gmail.com. Four games in the books, one week done, and we have a long way to go. What did you think of opening weekend? I know there are some people who are unhappy with their team. There are some people who are ecstatic with their team. There are some people who are unhappy that they could hardly watch their team play. But overall, I'd have to say that opening weekend was a thumbs-up success just based on play on the floor. Sure, there were some blowouts. There were some uninspiring performances. There were some great performances. But in general, I truly believe this was a great opening weekend. The earliest the league has ever started. I think the league kind of felt a bit of a kickback uh, in attendance numbers. Unfortunately, not everybody showed up as much as the league had probably hoped for. However, as the league moves on and the year moves on and we get into a new year, fans will start to come out. The numbers will slowly rise, I have a feeling. It's tough to have a season start this time of year. Um, Christmas parties, Christmas events, all those things come into account. But I think as we get into the new year and the season gets rolling, that won't be an issue as we move along. Because we have bigger things on this show to focus on other than attendance. That's not our expertise. That's not our area of perfection. We just like to talk about lacrosse. And we're going to do that. We have two great guests. Victoria's own Jesse King of the Georgia Swarm will stop by. His first game in over two years was a success on the floor. Unfortunately, the team dropped their season opener to the New England Black Wolves. And Jeff Shatler of the Saskatchewan Rush will stop by. Uh, The Rush, the only team that didn't take to the floor this weekend. They'll kick off their season Saturday in Toronto against The Rock. Only two games on the schedule this weekend. The Rock hosting The Rush. The Roughnecks hosting The Stealth. And that is going to be a very interesting game as both those teams, The Necks and The Stealth, um, their offenses weren't so hot. And neither coach was happy with their offense. And both coaches, Kurt Miloski and Jamie Batley, know their teams can be better. So I expect the Friday night game at the Saddledome to be uh, a typical Vancouver-Calgary battle. Tough, intense, physical, lots of goals, and two teams battling it out for 60 minutes and maybe more. So two good guests, Kinger and Schatz. Schatz is a brand-new second-time father, baby boy Jace. So we'll talk to him about that. We'll talk to Kinger about what it was like just to get back on the floor and get back with the boys after being out of the game for over a year with a knee injury. And he looked absolutely fantastic in his first game back, had a hat trick. Uh, The team just couldn't pull it out as they, they had that lead late in that game. And... New England ended up scoring, outscoring them 5-1 to one over the last ooh, 18 and a half minutes or so. Uh, going back into the second quarter, sorry, the third quarter, they actually scored them, outscored Georgia 8-3 in the second half. And you're not going to win many games uh, when you're playing like that. But they got some sparks out of their defense. And one of the guys that really pushed them along was David Brock. And he got the opening goal of the game his first as a New England Black Wolf, and after the game, he was as excited as they could be, but cautious knowing 
that his team still has some work to do. It was huge. You know, we didn't have a very good first half. Uh, Coach Clark challenged us, and uh, you know, we came out, we put the you know put the pedal uh, to the metal, and, and had a much better half and to, to momentum. Right, we killed a couple penalties, and it's just get a little momentum on our side. It's start. It sparks the defense or the offense, excuse me, and uh, you know, you kill a couple penalties late in the game like that, and it's, it's huge. There is David Brock, defenseman for the New England Black Wolves. Uh, very busy post game media scrums there at the New England Black Wolves game, and the. Casino basement. But good on a guy like David Brock. And good on a guy like John LaFontaine. Two guys that came over in that well in the offseason. Uh, Brocky was a free agent. LaFontaine was a part of the Aaron Bold trade. And they scored the first two goals of the game for the Black Wolves. So uh, that's always huge when you can get contributions from your back end. And then that, as you heard Dave say, you know, they didn't have the greatest first half, but they kind of turned things around, got their feet underneath them, started to find their groove, and they were able to tighten things up in the back end. Aaron Bold in his first game as a New England Black Wolf, uh, you know, much like the team, bit of a shaky start, but he settled down in the second half, made 33 saves on 44 shots, and uh, that's a team that, that's a big win for that club. With all the retooling they did in the offseason um, and the new faces that are in that group defensively, uh, that win to stymie a offense that is as powerful and prolific as the Swarms, that's a heck of a job. Sure, the Swarm had some new faces in their lineup as well, including two rookies. Um, and as we mentioned, Jesse King, who's back for was back for his first game in over a year. So, growing pains for both clubs, but uh, that was just a game that was a battle. At one point, I looked and I was watching and I was like, wow. Georgia is up. They're going to hold on to this. And next thing you know, the Black Wolves just started rattling off goal after goal, and they outscored them 5-2 in the third quarter, 3-1 in the fourth, and just took control of that game. Only four penalties called that entire game, uh, which is, I want to say it's going to be the way this league goes this year. Um, I didn't see a lot of penalties in the Vancouver game, uh, the Vancouver-Colorado game, and for the most part, the referee, the three-man system, did a great job this weekend. Uh, I didn't see any really blatantly missed calls, tic-tac calls that could have been made for sure, but I truly believe that uh, in the games that I watched, the officials uh, did a very good job in just keeping that game, the, all the games, under control, not letting anything you know, mal- malicious happen. They let the boys play, and, and they did a great job. So that that New England game... Uh, was sort of the kickoff. That was sort of the first game that kind of got started. The Toronto game was right along at the same time in Buffalo. And, man, I said it at the start of the year, I said it last week, that Buffalo was going to be a team to worry about in the East. And I was not disappointed. A 13-goal outburst to beat the Rock 13-9. They got scoring from all over the floor, from the back end to the guys up front. And the rookies, Josh Byrne and Chase Fraser, really made their presence felt. Chase Fraser had a goal and two assists. Josh Byrne had a goal and four assists. And what was even better is Byrne set up Fraser for his first ever National Lacrosse League goal. From the top of the slot, here's a nice pass shot. Score! That's Chase Frazier on the back side. That one came quick on that five-on-five set here, Johnny. As we check out the replay, Josh Byrne just finding Chase Frazier. And a one-timer, Nicky Rose, he can't get from left to right quick enough. The quick hands of Frazier and a beauty goal. The band is back up by one. There's nothing I like more than seeing rookies set up rookies for firsts. And... Fraser and Byrne were impressive in their opening game, as was Ryan Lee for the Colorado Mammoth, who scored a highlight reel goal, who is on this week's versus versus Mitch Jones. And man, this I've met Ryan Lee obviously a few times. Uh, I've watched him a bunch. 
uh, especially this summer as he was playing with Nanaimo, the past couple summers playing with Nanaimo. Um, but this was the first time I've sort of really been able to see him up close and personal. And he's a very unassuming-looking lacrosse player. When you look at him, you don't really see a big body. You don't see a guy that looks very physical or strong. But the kid can ball. And he has an incredible set of hands. He has a great first step, great speed off the ball. And the goal he scored his first in the National Cross League was nothing but phenomenal. And Jake Elliott has the call. Wardle to the front of the goal. It's Eli McLaughlin with six. Feeds down low to Wardle. Feed and so what a goal there from Ryan Lee. An absolute beauty. A shoveler to the top corner with his back facing the goal. And how about that for your first ever National Lacrosse League goal? How about that, Rook? Ryan Lee spins from, from his opposite side of the floor. He's a righty. He's on the lefty side of the floor. And he spins this one around on the twirl. Oh. Just flicks it. And he picked the top far corner on Ty Belanger. A lot of people saying very similar, but not really, but similar to a certain John Grant Jr. scored at that very same rink in that very same net. Jr., obviously a lefty, went one hand behind the back bouncer. Ryan Lee, a righty, back to the net, backhand shovel flip top corner. But a lot of people didn't think this Mammoth squad was going to be able to hang with the Stealth. That the injuries on the back end were too much for them. The offense wasn't balanced enough for them. Well, in their first game, they put a lot of those doubts to rest. Chris Wardle chipped in with four. Ryan Banesh had an eight-point night in his first ever game as a Colorado Mammoth. Ryan Lee was phenomenal in his first game in the National Lacrosse League. You look at Jacob Ruet, didn't score, had three assists. Everybody on that team, to a man, front to back, contributed. Even Bryce Sweeting scored a goal. And Bryce Sweeting hasn't scored a goal in two years. And I mistakenly called him Bruce, but his name is Bryce. And his game, his goal was actually the game winner. And it's probably the first time he's ever had one of those. But this is a Mammoth squad that is ready to play. And one of the best parts about this Mammoth squad is having the defensive mind of Pat Coyle on their bench. And here's a case in point. And it was funny. I was talking to Dylan Ward after the game. We were talking about the situation that I'm going to sort of explain to you. And he said that they basically showed no respect to Evan Messenger. And that's not a disrespectful thing, but... What they did is they essentially played a three-man umbrella up top on the short man. So their three top guys on their short man were playing Logan Schuss, Corey Small, and Reese Dutch, which made Robert Hope basically a two-on-one down low with McCready and Messenger. And so when you had the three guys up top basically not allowing Dutch, Schuss, or Small free range to shoot on the power play, they were leaving Evan Messenger so wide open, it was gross at times. I'm sitting in the press box with Steve Ewan, and I'm screaming, he's open, he's open, look how wide open he is. And at first, I didn't realize what they were doing. And then once it clicked, they were basically saying, okay, we're going to let you feed the ball to Evan Messenger on that power play all night long, and if he can score and beat us, Okay, we'll then make adjustments. They took away the three most dangerous guys on the floor in a very unorthodox-looking short man unit, and it threw the Vancouver power play unit for a loop. They didn't score on three chances. Vancouver, sorry, Colorado, ends up scoring twice shorthanded, which really took a lot of the air out of the LEC, losing Matt Beers to a very unfortunate and incident or what's the word I'm looking for? Um, unintentional collision with Tim Edwards off of a draw. Uh, losing beers was huge for that back end. And it showed because their defense didn't play with the tenacity and the fortitude that it, they had been playing for most of that game with beers in it. Once they lost beers, that was a huge turning point. The two shorthanded goals for Colorado was huge. But shutting down that offense, no goals from Small or Dutch 
was a thing of beauty from the Colorado defense and the mind of Pat Coyle. For Vancouver, Jamie Batley said, you know what? Our team has to be better. Everybody in the offense needs to look themselves in the mirror because we gave them a game plan. They didn't execute it. And I completely agree with them. There is no way that you're going to beat Dylan Ward if you're just firing from outside the line. You might squeak one or two past him, but nine times out of ten, he's going to make that save. And Colorado did a great job keeping Vancouver to the outside, not allowing them inside. And at the other end, the Colorado offense just took it to the Vancouver D. And they exposed Ty Belanger. Uh, He ends up getting chased late in that game for Brody McDonald. Uh, McDonald came in and did fairly well uh, in relief. He only gave up one goal, made eight saves on nine shots. But if the Vancouver Stealth are going to have any success, they need their top three of Shush, Dutch, and Small to each be putting up five points a night. And they need their goaltending to stop the ball. And they didn't get that. And at the other end, Colorado did everything they could to get to the front of the net, keep the pace of that game going. And they really took it to the Vancouver Stealth in their home opener. The final game of the weekend was probably the biggest surprise of the weekend. And if I had to pick winners in all the games, this was probably going to be the game that I was going to get wrong. I probably would have gotten the New England game wrong too. I thought the Swarm would have won that one. Uh, But I had a feeling that Buffalo was going to beat Toronto just because I I really like that young offense and what Chugger's done for that group. And Alex Bouquet uh, is a bona fide starter in my mind, and he played absolutely fantastic. I would have picked Colorado because if I didn't, I would have lost my job. And I probably would have put money down that Calgary would have beat Rochester. I just, I didn't have a lot of faith in the Rochester group. I, I, I wasn't sold on their defense. Um, but once they announced that Cody Jamison was going to be playing, that turned everything around. And sure, it may not be the Cody Jamison from 2013, 2014, 2015 kind of thing, but Cody Jamison is still one of the most dangerous players on the planet. He has one of the most lethal twisters that has ever graced the sport of lacrosse. And what he brings, the intangibles he brings to that group, along with the savviness of Dan Dawson, that offense just becomes a completely different beast. And Kyle Jackson is a burdening, burgeoning, burdening, rising superstar in this league. And he is going to be a guy that will be an MVP candidate in a few years. Uh, you can guarantee that. He chipped in with two and two. Uh, Joey Rezateritz had two and four. Dawson had three on three. Uh, Jammer had a goal and three assists, but his goal was a historic one. First one in two years, 200th of his career, and the great Craig Rubzinski got to call it. In favor of Cody Jamison, who will take the cross floor feed. Jamison shoots, he scores! Career goal number 200 for Jammer. Beautiful shot off the quick pass. Beat Chiliano on his glove side hip. Straight overhand. It's been 19 months between Cody Jamison's last two goals. May 1st, 2016, and tonight, December 9th, 2017, and Cody Jamison rips that low shot past Chiliano, and it's career goal number 200. Former assistant sports information director and sports writing teacher, Craig Grubzinski, on the call. It's crazy that Cody Jameson's shot is just so lethal. And if you've ever just been able to watch one of his goals from any angle, but especially from straight on, and you can see the amount of curve he can put into it and how he can bring it across his body, because he's a lefty, he'll actually fully bring it across his face so the head of his stick is on the right side of his face and still be able to twist it back to the left side of the net. And he can go up and down the post, short side, near side. It is so scary. Goalies have the hardest time picking it up 
because he can throw it from every angle, and he can throw it to either side. And he was, it was so good to see him back, just like it was so good to see, you know, a guy like Jesse King back. Having gone through an ACL injury myself, I cringe every time I see a a guy go down with a knee injury. Um, Every time Andrew Suter went down, it pained me to see. Uh, When John Harnett went down this year, I I cringe to hear about it. Uh, With Coates and Holding, just made my stomach turn. And I never, ever wish that injury on anybody because it can be such a hard injury to come back from, especially if you're late in your career. And then even more so if you do it again. And there are so many great doctors out there and athletic therapists that are doing all they can to help guys get healthy, rehab to the best of their ability, and make them even stronger than before. They are doing such a great job with modern medicine now to get these guys back. The braces are completely different than a decade ago. They're more lightweight. They give guys tons of comfort. And I'm just so happy to see a lot of these guys coming back off knee injuries and, and any injury. Rob Hellier's back. Uh, and so many guys, Brock Sorensen, Damon Edwards, all these guys that have been injured on and off the past few years. Uh, I'm just so happy to see them back. And to get them back on the floor, all these teams uh, are super excited to have them back. As mentioned, Jesse King back after doing his knee for the Victoria Shamrocks a couple summers ago, played his first game back with the Georgia Swarm. I caught up with him earlier on Tuesday, and being an Island guy, I asked him how often does he cross paths with fellow Islanders? Um, I wouldn't say that we bump too much into each other, just the, the airport, especially myself, coming you know, going to Atlanta a lot of times. But uh, I definitely think that because that community is so small that we do stay pretty in touch in Victoria, so it's always nice to get out and, you know, go see Chris Wardle and uh, now Brody Eastwood and then Flavia, I guess I consider him an island guy now. Yeah. He's been out here for so long and uh, the rest of those guys. So we try to keep in touch as much as we can, which is always good. We often see, uh, you know, a lot of the Orangeville guys chirping each other. Is there friendly trips going on between the island guys still? Uh, I think absolutely. I think that uh, uh, most of us grew up, uh, at least for the guys that I'm with, a lot of times we grew up together playing against each other. So now that there's a little bit of competition, it's always uh, it's always fun. Uh, a lot of the guys, I wouldn't say we take too much to uh, the social media platform. Form, but, yeah. Uh, when we see each other in person, I know it's, uh, <laughs> there's uh, no boundaries there in that in that kind of situation. I guess. Yeah. Nobody nobody's safe when you're in person. Though. No, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so and, uh, it'll be even more fun when we finally get a chance to be able to play against each other. Yeah, you guys will see the uh, Colorado Mammoth in two weeks, which is your next game. So you'll be able to see Brody and Chris Wardle that weekend. But how is that travel back and forth from Atlanta? You probably have the longest commute out of anybody. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess it's uh, it's something that I'm willing to do to play is the sport that I love. And uh, I think that that is something that gets very overlooked. But uh, people are always asking, you know, how's the travel? How's the travel? It's like, well, I get to travel across the country to, you know, a pretty cool city. And then go play, you know, the sports that I love to play every every week, every other weekend or so, right? So, I think just being grateful that I'm able to do that and still able to do that, and uh, and just doing whatever it is that I need to do to be able to do that is something that, um, you know, I, I obviously don't take it lightly, but it's uh, it's well worth it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, last year, how much traveling were you doing uh, while you're rehabbing your knee? Were you spending a lot of time? down in Georgia working with the team, or are you doing a lot of your rehab on the island? Yeah, John was actually uh, nice enough to, because I had already actually planned to move down there um, before season to live with a couple of guys, right? just because uh, I didn't have a whole lot going on at home at the time, and I thought that it would be a fun experience to live in the market and kind of and, uh, try it out because a lot of the guys did it one day with Minnesota. And so I actually lived in Atlanta now for five and a half months awesome. last season, and they were nice enough to put, put us up in a place down there, and then uh, I actually did most of my physio at, uh, with a physio, obviously with a physiotherapist down there at a center that they, uh, that is one of our sponsors. Mm-hmm. So I did most of my physiotherapy there, and then lucky enough when I come, came home 
uh, Jordan uh, Monks and Weston over at uh, Moda Physio, the Victoria yes. Shamrocks uh, uh, physio guys were opening, you know, open me with, or welcome me with open arms and just to come back and, you know, get uh, as much training as I needed to do with them. And then they kind of made a plan for me and I kind of have been going with it since then. So it's been a really good process and I'm feeling a lot better than I obviously did. You know, yeah. There go. yeah. Um, having gone through that whole process myself, and unfortunately we're seeing more and mo- more and more guys, you know, having knee injuries and having to take year off. What was the hardest thing for you in the, you know, 15, 16 months that you were away from the game? Yeah, I think that uh, the hardest thing for me was, you know, living in that market uh, where you know, I wasn't able to travel with the guys on the weekend to go and just kind of watching the game, you know, by myself out in, in you know, Atlanta, where I don't know a, a large amount of people, just kind of, you know, seeing that. And then uh, obviously I was completely excited for everybody and like super happy that when we won, but I still obviously kind of felt like I had a chip on my shoulder and didn't put as much towards that, obviously, as I could have mm-hmm. because I wasn't playing. But, um, you know, that's the whole the great thing about getting, you know, returning most of our team and having such a strong lineup is that, you know, we're looking to, and especially with the work that John's done to keep this team together, for the most part, it's uh, it'll be great to see what we're able to do this year. How did the knee feel in your first game? Obviously, you know, going through training camp and getting used to the brace and everything that, that goes on with that is different and, and it's kind of very foreign at, at first, but once you got into your first game, how did the knee feel and how did the body hold up? Yeah, I'm fortunate enough to be living uh, downtown Victoria or just outside downtown Victoria now. And obviously, you know, I see a lot of downtown quite often. But um, <laughs> I'm fortunate enough where I can, I'm in a position where I can wear my brace for training sessions outside of just lacrosse. So I yeah. think that the more that I can was able to do that, and I started doing that more and more before season started, just trying to get it comfortable with that. I actually think that. Uh, the brace is, is extremely comfortable, and it's, it doesn't annoy me in the, the littlest bit. If anything, it gives me that little bit of confidence knowing that Absolutely. You know, I don't have to hold anything back, uh, whereas if I didn't have a brace, I think that I would mentally just be a little bit more, uh, like, I don't know, sketched about uh, I guess, yeah. this situation. Yeah. Whereas, I mean, I went through uh, playing the game against, uh, New England on weekend, like I, I wasn't even thinking about it during the game, which I think that is the ultimate goal when you're coming back from injury is to have it off of your mind and just mm-hmm. focus on what you can do out on the floor. What do you take away from from that game? Obviously, it's not the result you wanted. Uh, in the uh, New England defense really turned things up a notch in the second half to kind of stymie you guys as they were able to claw their way back. But what was the message from Coach Como and, and the staff after a tough opening weekend loss? Yeah, I mean, obviously, there's takeaways, positives and negatives from every kind of win or loss. But uh, I just think that, you know, we were able to, you know, play fast in the first half. And then I think the second half, we might have slowed down just a little bit. And I also credit, obviously, New England. They clearly made some uh, some mid-game changes that, you know, resulted in uh, a, a better defensive system or whatever they were able to do for themselves. So I think that just us focusing on, you know, those little five-minute intervals in the games, which was what Eddie stresses so frequently, and not get ahead of ourselves and uh, just focus on, you know, those the first moments that are happening and instead of trying to, you know, focus on, you know, we're down by two, we need to get this many, maybe focus on, hey, let's get that loose ball so we can get to that position. And I think that uh, Eddie does a fantastic job with that. And uh, we just, you know, we fell a little short mentally, but I think that, mm-hmm. You know, moving forward, I think as people have seen in the past, like we rebound pretty well when it comes to situations like that, and I wouldn't expect anything different. What were, you spoke of, you know, the mental factor. How big of a relief was it when you got that first goal in the first quarter? <laughs> I don't know if it was so much as a relief. If I had gone maybe a couple of games without, you know, putting one of the knot or something yeah. like that, then I think that that would have been more relief. I think it was more just joy and, yeah. you know, happiness to – you know, feel that ball go in the back of the net coming from a guy, coming from guys who, uh, you know, haven't watched them play in the last year and just being able to be out and be a part of all that on the floor. It's, it's so much more amazing when you get to experience it firsthand. Absolutely. And uh, I was just so happy and just so overwhelmed with joy, I would say. You're, uh, you're working with the guys from, uh, what, what's the company that you, Epic, right? You're with Epic and Legendary? Yeah, Epic, yeah. 
How is that going for you? You're obviously, um, you and Kyle Matisse are a bit of the, the NLL poster boys for them. Are you having fun with that and getting to try some new equipment and new gear? Yeah, they're, the guys over at Epic are fantastic. And James is doing, uh, he's doing a fantastic job, I think. Just the more and more you're seeing the gloves and the gear and the sticks in the game. And I think that ultimately, like, their, some of their goals are coming through as we speak with all that. And, uh, they're, they're fantastic people. And I think that was one of the biggest things that led, you know, me, uh, Kyle Matisse and, you know, Ryan Banesh over to, uh, the company is, uh, mm-hmm. the people, the character that they have is, is outstanding. And, uh, yeah, we had, a, I've been enjoying it a lot. Me and, uh, me and Kyle had the opportunity to fly down to, uh, Los Angeles with them this summer and, uh, do like a photo shoot. And we had some fun with that. And it was, uh, it was a great experience, and I got to meet a couple more of the guys that, you know, put a face on, like, a text message or an email, which yeah. is always really important, obviously, and uh, they've been amazing, and all the new gear that they're coming out with, is you know, it's fantastic stuff, and they're just doing, you know, an amazing job on uh, all spectrums of every, of the game right now. Do you, uh, do you have any say in, in some of the things that they're making? You know, when, you, when you're trying the gloves or the stick, are you giving them, you know, insight on, you know, this doesn't feel good or I really like this or maybe you could change this? Do, you, do they ex- expect and, and welcome your guys' feedback? Yeah, absolutely. They, uh, um, we, we just got some stuff, like some prototype stuff, and basically what they did is they actually uh, – we had, like, phone calls with a couple of the developers, and they asked us for us, you know, what is it that you want in a lacrosse arm guard or a cross glove, and how can we make that better for box across specifically, obviously, right? Because they uh, were more focused on field at the start, but now that, you know, they've got all these guys in box gear and doing that, uh, and all that, that, uh, like this more protective wear for the indoor and more, obviously, you need a little more padding for box. I think it's important. Uh, that they are able to take our feedback and they open that with a welcome arms is their idea to have us, you know, um, have our feedback inputted onto their individual. So I think it, it'll be great moving forward. Did you ever think when you were a young, you know, JDF guy growing up, that you'd be a, a sponsored, <laughs> an Epic spot or just a sponsored lacrosse player with, with your own custom gear and all that stuff? Yeah, I I honestly couldn't picture it at the time, and you know that comes with the sport growing so much over that little bit of time, and obviously we hope to continue continue to see it grow. Yeah. And uh, you know, again, I'm just thankful for the guys over at Epic for taking a chance on me. You know, while I was injured, and I think that speaks a lot to again to their character. You mentioned uh, you're a Victoria guy, and we've seen each other crossing paths downtown Victoria. How's life at Lululemon? And do guys get on you for working at Lululemon at all? I don't think so. They did. They did a little bit of the start, obviously, but uh, yeah. you know now it's more. Hey, what is the uh, what's the new stuff that's coming out? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And stuff like that. And uh, you know, I got all the I got some of the ends over there, so they're, uh, <laughs> they're more concerned about what I can do for them now, which I, you know, obviously is cool for me. And uh, absolutely, they've been great. I've been really enjoying it. Um, they're they've been flexible with you know, obviously coming into this travel season for me, they've been really flexible and accommodating. So. I'm grateful for that as well, and it's uh, it keeps me busy. And not only it's it's just fun. It's something that I enjoy to do. I enjoy, you know, clothing and all that kind of like fashion a little bit, fashion mm-hmm. bit. So it's it's nice, especially. I mean, you know, in Victoria, you got to stay stay well dressed to keep Absolutely. up the here with Absolutely. the Victoria people. <laughs> so I'm just trying to you know get my own and stay 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 humble. Well, I'm going to have to uh, come by and pick up some of those ABC pants for travel because those things are the only way to go. <laughs> Absolutely. King, it's always a pleasure, man. Uh, I couldn't be happier to see you back on the floor, buddy. It's great to see another Victoria guy doing well, and after all that you went through, uh, it's glad to see, good to see you back and healthy, and uh, what a first game for you. And I know uh, we'll see you in two weeks in Colorado, and you and Wardle can go head-to-head. <laughs> Thanks, Teddy, and I uh, appreciate the words, and uh, have a good day. So have a great one. There he is, Jesse King of the Georgia Swarm. Uh, A fantastic return to the turf for Kinger. He is a Epic-sponsored athlete. And it's nice to see that Epic was able to find a lacrosse goal for Kinger to dunk on in their commercials because I'm slowly starting to get fed up. And I know a lot of people are, and this is something that the National Lacrosse League is actually actively trying to fix 
is that when we're watching NLL TV and they're showing the sponsor ads, whether it be Warrior or Epic or New Balance or whatever it may be, and all the athletes that they're showing, the lacrosse players are playing field lacrosse, it irks me. And it irks a lot of people. And so it was nice that Kinger was able to get a box net and they were able to find a box so that we could at least see him doing something box-related because it is kind of awkward to be promoting the National Lacrosse League and promoting National Lacrosse League players and promoting the National Lacrosse League gear and then to see guys shooting on 6 by 6 or cutting on grass or using a D-pole or whatever it may be. So uh, shout-out to Epic. Shout-out to Jesse King. Shout-out Lululemon. Um, if you, I'm going to help everybody out here. If you're a National Lacrosse Leaguer and you're traveling every weekend and obviously teams want you to look good when you travel, go to your local Lulu and go buy some ABC pants. You're welcome. One more note uh, from the games this past weekend. Shout out to Matt Vince as he passed Bob Watson for second all-time saves in the National Lacrosse League. He only trails Anthony Cosmo by a few hundred. And I jokingly said on Twitter that he probably would have passed Whipper a long time ago, and he'd probably be closer to Cosmo uh, if it wasn't for guys like Ian Lord and Paul Dawson standing in front of him blocking shots, uh, which is a rare art form which doesn't get the cred that it deserves. It gets a lot of welts. Uh, it gets a lot of bruises, um, but I would love to see it be a National Lacrosse League kept stat. Uh, they do cause turnovers and regular turnovers and loose balls. If this sport is ever going to get into the analytics world and breaking things down and going real deep into stats, blocked shots has to be a stat that is tracked because some of those D guys love it. And I don't know why. Literally, watch Ian Lord. He'll, with a smile on his face, jump in front of a ball. Rory Smith used to do it all the time. It's crazy. But it's a stat that's not kept. But maybe one day, it will be a stat that's kept. So, uh, shout out to Matt Vince, who, as mentioned, uh, passed Bob Watson for number two all-time saves in National Lacrosse League history. Away from the floor, attendance-wise, uh, as I mentioned, it, it wasn't the greatest opening weekend in National Lacrosse League history. Uh, as mentioned, you know, starting in December, uh, this early might have been a bit of a difficult decision. Um, the decision was made to spread out the season so there was less back-to-backs, easier travel schedule for some teams. But starting at this time of year is tough with everything that's going on um, around the holidays, teams needed to be creative and teams needed to really be on the ball to try and let their fans know that the games were starting a week, a month early. So when you look at the numbers, Buffalo had 11,516, which is about 60% full. The New England Black Wolves had 5,489. They were probably the most full at about 71%. Then came Rochester, sorry, then came Vancouver, who had 3,201. That's 60% capacity. And probably the most disappointing is Rochester, who had four under 4,600 and were 44% full. And according to stats guru Graham Perro, um, that's the second lowest opening or second lowest attendance period for the Rochester Nighthawks, and it is the lowest season opening attendance for the Vancouver Stealth, who have seen their opening night numbers drop for the fourth straight season. It'll be interesting to see the number that turn out in Toronto on Saturday night, and it'll be interesting to see the number that comes out to the Saddle Dome Friday night to see if that trend of December fan base numbers declining, or if two of the strongest fan bases can put up a good number in the second week of the season. Let's take a look um, before we get to Jeff Shatler at the standings and the scores. Obviously, 
Uh, Buffalo, New England, 1-0. Colorado, 1-0. They lead their respective divisions. It's early. Uh, scoring leader Sean Evans is at the top of the table after week one. Two goals, seven assists. Followed by Ryan Banesh, who had two and six. Dane Smith, who had one and six. Uh, Joe Rezateritz and Dan Dawson each put up six in their first game. Chris Wardle, Kevin Crowley lead the league in goals with four. Evie leads the way in assists with seven. But I want to focus on the rookies because it was a great weekend for the rooks. Josh Byrne, Ryan Lee, Chase Fraser, Eric Fennell, Zach Courier, all these guys that played their first games all had impacts. Now, Zach Courier probably could have had five goals. But Matt Vince was his arch nemesis that game. Frank Brown, the rookie out of Georgia, had two assists and was impressive on the back end. Uh, Eric Fennell, three assists, uh, another Ohio State product. Had a great first game. But it's Byrne and Ryan Lee that really stole the show. Josh Byrne, the number one overall pick. Ryan Lee, the 25th overall pick. And both were incredibly impressive in their first games, as were all the rookies that played. And I, I will continue to say this. Every year, the rookie classes will get better and better and better. Even years where people say, oh, this is a down year for an NLL draft. Uh, It's not as deep of a draft. You're going to see guys that are going to make an impact from all over the draft. And every year there's going to be different guys coming into the league in better shape, in better condition, with better stick skills, and they are going to be knocking players out of the league that have been in it for three or four, five, ten years. That's just the progression. Survival of the fittest, as Charles Darwin would say. And now with expansion coming next year, there's going to be 60 more spots or 50 more spots. And that means a lot more rookies are going to get chances to play. And, you know, we have drafts of, you know, there was 59 picks this year. And of those 59 picks, what, 20 guys cracked rosters, whether it be practice or active, if that. So when you add a couple more teams and the talent that's coming in each year continues to improve, you're going to see more and more rookies not only making active rosters, but having immediate impacts. And they may not be pure goal scorers. You're going to see D guys who come in and have immediate impacts. And just look at some of the young D guys that are in the game today that are going to be bona fide stars in two, three, four years. The growth of the game right now, I'm not talking like worldwide growth, like grow the game growth. I'm talking just the growth of the athletes in this game is becoming so imperative to the future of this game that it's incredible to see the amount of talent that is in the league right now and the amount of young talent that's having an impact right out of the gate. So shout out to all the rookies that impressed during opening weekend. Eight of the nine National Lacrosse League teams kicked off their season in week one. The only team that didn't, the defending Western champion Saskatchewan Rush. And they have some new faces, including a new father, and that would be Jeff Shatler. Jeff welcomed baby son Jace Hubert Shatler into the world a few weeks ago, and we caught up with him as he was doing daddy duties and asked him how the young man was dealing with the real world. He's good. He's on my chest as we speak. Um, he's uh, he's doing well. He's strong. Family's good. We're happy. We're, we're excited for the Christmas holidays coming up. We'll be able to yeah. bring DC to a little family team. Sure you've you've had a uh, you've had a lot of great things happen in your life, but how great uh, was it? You know, when you first became a father. When I had my little girl, I um, it was right. a great experience being in the room and seeing it happen. I heard a lot of stories about it, but I never really experienced it until it did happen. And yeah. you know, having the second one with the boy, it's just a, it's a great feeling having being a father. Um, it's probably the best thing in the world. You have a, a great group of brothers around you in the lacrosse community, and you have a new team to be a part of. Uh, how's the change been for you becoming a part of the rush? It's it's nice. It's refreshing. It's uh, it's yeah. new. It's new look. It's new team. New new everything. And, uh, you know, I think we got so 
so settled in with the team for so many years, being with Calgary for 11 years, it's nice to, uh, you know, have a, have a new look at, at lacrosse. You know, it's a different aspect in practice, different vibes, all different guys. You know, he's mm-hmm. a big fan, and I'm just glad to be a part of it. Did, did you feel like you were in a bit of a rut in Calgary, that you needed that change? I think that, you know, over time, you know, you, think you just, you know, you get used to, you know, doing things you're doing. And, um, you know, I'm just glad that, the opportunity in my life has allowed me to go to Saskatchewan and, and uh, pursue a dream to win another championship. And I know these guys, they got a great team. And, you know, they always gave us such a hard time in Calgary. You know, yeah. In the last, like, 16 years. So they're, they're a dominant team in the West. And I'm glad that they had an open arm, arms open for me and got me uh, getting the spot in the team. Obviously, fitting in isn't going to be an issue for you. But what's been the toughest transition for you so far with, with the new club? I have to say they're systems. Um, yeah. We have our systems in Calgary, um, and I've been for so long that I was just so used to them, I really didn't have to think about them. But uh, we've got some great systems on their offense. So, you know, I'm just trying to learn uh, all the players and the way they cycle the ball. And it's starting to come, and, and uh, you know, uh, Bugs has been really uh, really good to me, teaching me plays and getting down on the sidelines and just going over certain things that, you know, I should know for games. So trying to learn it that way, and, you know, it takes some time for change, but, you guys are the last team to get going here. Are you chomping at the bit uh, to take the four Saturday night against the Rock? Oh, man, I can't wait. Uh, <laughs> it's it's going to be a great feeling. Uh, you know, first time coming out of New Jersey in front of the family. So yeah. Better, so, um, you know, I get to play by my mom and dad, you know, finally be there. It's unfortunate my life, you know. My boy, my daddy won't be able to see it, but there's a green county, which I can't wait for anybody to see. Absolutely. What, what's been the best part about, you know, ha- having the new boy around? Uh, having the new boy? The yeah. lack of sleep. Yeah, he just woke up. But honestly, uh, you know, just having a boy, I know having a little girl, great feeling. And to have a boy on top of that, you know, yeah. you know, that's the million dollar prize right there, having one and one. So, Absolutely. Um, you know, it's just, it's just very exciting. Uh, I don't want him to grow up too quick, but I can't wait to, for him to be motoring around and teaching a, a thing or two in, in, uh, in lacrosse and hockey or whatever else I could teach. Yeah. You know, it's going to be a lot of fun. Obviously, uh, the Iroquois tradition of putting a, a stick in his crib, was that part of your regime? Is he a lefty or a righty? I don't know yet. Hopefully both. Uh, <laughs> hopefully I can, both, yeah. I, I can only play with my last, so hopefully he'll have my on his dad. So, um, but I don't know. I haven't seen him. I usually yeah. left. left. Well, that's a good thing. We need more of those. Um, yeah. You, uh, you guys had a good little team outing uh, this past weekend in Rushland. Got some curling in. Uh, how is your sweeping game? Honestly, I didn't get a chance to go out with the boys. Uh, we had something with the, with the boy I had to stay home for. Okay. Yeah. But everything was fine. Um, I know the boys all had a blast. Good team. Team Bonnie out there. Um, so I got a couple messages from the boys. Yeah. But, yeah, I didn't get to go out. But uh, well, I will be seeing the boys in Toronto this weekend. So very excited to get out there and, and get back with the boys. What's the message from Coach Keenan going against the Toronto team that's coming off a tough loss against Buffalo in their season opener? I'd have to say just focus on our game. Yeah. Um, you know, like that's that's the big thing. You can't you can't uh you can only uh, control what you can what you can do, right? So um you know, Toronto losing, they're gonna be fired up, they're home opener, so I know that they're gonna be, you know, wanting to put on a good show for their fans, you know, and, and to get some confidence back in their in their game. So we're gonna have to really get everything we got and uh, I'm very excited to see what our team is gonna uh do out there on the floor. You got you go from a, a coaching staff of Kurt Mosky and Slip and, and Rob Williams. Now you go to Derek Keenan and Jimmy Quinlan and Bubba. What's the difference in coaching style between the two benches? I think it's uh, honestly, I, I think it's just more laid back. Honestly, yeah. it's just yeah. uh, it's more of a relaxing uh, atmosphere. Um, you, you know, you're not you're not worried about making a mistake, or you just want to go out and have fun. Um, they're, they're, all of them are players, coaches. You know, they're all great coaches, but they just have their different ways of uh, teaching their boys and. I just find that, you know, maybe I was just stuck with something for so long that, you know, now I see like a different side of things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I just like yeah, change. I, I like change. So not all the time, but, you know, yeah. um, I think these guys, you know, they're great coaching staff. And I'm so happy that they, they uh, had the confidence in me to, to come over to their squad and put me in their lineup. What, what's the team uh, feeling like and looking like with Evan Kirk between the net? Obviously a big change for them uh, having bowled the past few seasons and now switching up to Evan Kirk. 
Uh, new looks, you know, uh, they're both great goalies. Um, Evan Kirk, more of an outside goalie with the defense. Um, as good as they have been over the last couple of years, it's hard to get inside. So Evan Kirk is a great outside goalie, and I think he, he complements their defense. And uh, I, I, I'm excited to see what, what happens in the preseason. We did have some pretty good pretty good games, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, and um, it just showed that our defense is very, very dominant once we get five guys on the floor. And then with uh, Evan Kirk, you know, Taking away the outside shot, it's going to be tough for teams to score against us. Absolutely. Are, are you happy to not have to play against that defense now? I'm very, very happy. <laughs> I, I thought the boys in practice, you know, it's always better to be on their side because I don't know how many times I got stripped from those guys. Uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. really I've played against that guy for so many years, and he just he just stripped me all the time. So I'm just glad I don't have that, you know, to worry about this year for sure. You, you're teaming up on that lefty side with Mark Matthews. What makes him such a dominant player? I think his size and his smarts for the game, like you just seeing him back, he's going to be an unbelievable player. You know, he's only getting better. Um, you know, I'm glad to be a part of, you know, his career. It's it's, it's far from over. Um, but the kid, he's, he's, he's a good player, man. Um, yeah. yeah. Since, you know, I see him playing junior out in Calgary when the Minto was here. And, mm-hmm. you know, from then on, he's just only gotten better. Got a weird stick, though, a real wide stick. <laughs> before but you know he's a great guy great leader and a lot of the boys look up to him and and you know he's uh he's a great teammate so um i'm excited to see what we can do out there um you know in a two-man game or you know in a five-man set so Absolutely. i think uh you know uh, it goes from all the way down from everyone on that offense i, I believe it's just a great scorer and so smart um just seeing it the ball just swings around there's no there's no downtime in a guy's mm-hmm. stick I mean, it's not someone holding on to the ball for you know, 30 seconds, it's like these guys, you, you, you about six passes and a shot, then a, then a reset, then another six passes. So everyone's very unselfish, and that's the, I guess that's why they've been so good for so many years. Absolutely. Jeff, my friend, it's always a pleasure catching up with you. Uh, I know you got daddy duties, so uh, I won't keep you from it. Are, are, you a, are you a feeder or are you a diaper guy? Uh, well, my wife, I don't know. She does most of it when it turns uh, <laughs> when it gets after 11 o'clock because I got to get up to work. But of course. I, I try to help out whenever I can. So she's well, holding the baby right now. She's looking at me like I <laughs> Well, I won't get you in any more trouble, my friend. Uh, congratulations on the new addition of the family. Give the best to Lynn and everybody. And uh, we'll see you at a ring soon. And good luck this weekend against Toronto. Thank you very much, buddy. There he is, Jeff Shatler of the Saskatchewan Rush. I almost said the Calgary Roughnecks. That's who we used to play for. His new team, the Saskatchewan Rush, will kick off their season Saturday night at the ACC. That is the Twitter game of the week. I watched most of last week's Twitter game of the week, the uh, Buffalo-Toronto game. And the footage and the picture was dynamic. It was great. Got to hear my good buddy John Gertler, Randy Mearns, and with the call, Dave Buchanan between the benches. And they did a fantastic job. And so this week, it'll be Shani and McNamara with the call from the ACC as the Rush and Rock renew rivalries. The only other game of the weekend... Calgary hosting Vancouver. That is a Friday night game. And that one goes at the Saddledome in Calgary on Friday night. If I had to pick, I'm not really sure who I'd pick in that game. Uh, Neither team looked great in opening weekend. Both offenses were very quiet. Uh, We talked about how for Vancouver, if you're not getting goals from Reese Dutch... And Corey Small, there's not many games you're going to win. Well, if you're the Calgary Roughnecks and you're not getting goals from your number one gun, Curtis Dixon, that's a big issue. If Wes Berg isn't getting you any goals, that's an issue. If Dane Doby's not getting you a single point, that's an issue. So as much as people were looking at the Vancouver offense and how they kind of went quiet in that game against Colorado and half their goals came from transition or D guys, More fingers, I think, need to be pointed in Calgary's direction because of the six goals that they scored, only two came from offensive players, Holden Katoni and Riley Lowen. Zach Currier's a transition guy. Greg Harnett's a D guy. Dan McRae's a D guy. And so is Curtis Manning. So the Rochester defense isn't world beaters by any means. They've obviously made some changes. But it's exactly what we saw the Colorado defense do. They made adjustments. They singled out outside shooters. 
and said, if you're going to beat us, you're going to have to get inside. And Calgary was unable to get inside, and they kept on flogging the ball from outside, and Matt Vince just ate it up. So it'll be interesting to see in that Calgary-Vancouver game if either offense can get to the middle, and at the same time, if any of the goaltenders can stop a ball with a little more regularity than they did on opening weekend. So those are your two games on the NLL schedule this weekend. Uh, I had a good conversation with a lacrosse fan uh, just over Twitter uh, and through direct messages uh, just talking about um, shooters. And we were watching, we were both watching the Calgary game at the time, and, and he was, you know, remarking on how Calgary, A, wasn't getting inside, and B, when they did, guys were, you know, making five, six fakes and just losing all their angle. And my explanation for that was twofold. One, Matt Vince was playing so well that he was causing offensive players fit, so he's making them second-guess themselves. And the other, and it's a correlation of how well Matt Vince was playing, is that guys just were trying everything. And so when the outside shots wouldn't work and they can't get inside, by the time they did get inside, they really had no angle to shoot at anyway. But for all of you young lacrosse players that are out there, you don't need to throw five, six fakes on a breakaway. Two should be your most. Watch the greats. Go back and watch film of JT or John Grant or the Gate Brothers or Colin Doyle, Josh Sanderson, you name it. Rarely ever did you see them, you know, come in from the right side if he's a lefty and by the time he's all the way at the far other post, he's made five fakes and the goaltender stays with him the whole way. Pick a spot, shoot it. The next time, shoot somewhere else. Throw one or two fakes, but that's it. By the time you throw your third or fourth fake, the goaltender is set again and he's not going to move. And by the time you're there, you're either getting collapsed on by a D guy or you've lost all of your angle. And I know it frustrates coaches. But it also frustrates players. Because you get so deep into your bag of tricks and your repertoire that you just don't even know what to do anymore. And now by the time you get on crease for your sixth or seventh opportunity, you're shooting shots you don't normally take, shots you haven't really thought of, and shots you're not ready to take. And the goaltender has all of the advantage. So here's the lesson. If you're on a breakaway, or even if you catch a ball, you know, on a swing pass and you're cutting through the middle, look at what Jesse King, the success Jesse King had on Aaron Bold, the first time he came in, far side, short side goal. The second time, because he had already thrown the far side fake, Bold anticipated it, and Kinger had the short side wide open. Keep it simple. And you'll have more success, I promise. I promise. Uh, The last thing that uh, I'll get into this week, and I'm not going to get into it too deep because I truly don't know the full depth of it. And we're going to try and get Carl Christensen, the BC Junior Lacrosse Commissioner, on the show next week um, just to talk about what is going on with the Junior League. Because there is starting to be more of an uproar because apparently Maple Ridge put in a bid for a junior A team, and it got turned down. And once again, it has brought out keyboard warriors and people hiding behind alias Twitter accounts, and everyone is spewing out either what they believe to be the right information or they're getting fed the wrong information and putting out falsities. So the situation with BC Junior A Lacrosse is that they have a... um, an operating policy that is very outdated. And everyone keeps saying that they are going to rework their policies and to make it easier for teams to get into league and expansion to be possible. But the thing is, we can't just keep adding teams. The the league's at eight right now, and it's probably two or three too many, in my opinion, as is. 
because I truly believe that the BC Junior A League has become less competitive with the more teams they've added. I also feel that with so many teams, and I've said this before, with so many teams on the lower mainland, there are far too many options for people to go and watch. So that's why places like Burnaby and Langley and Poco and Delta and New West and all of them essentially have really small crowds. Even Coquitlam, who's been the best team in the BC Junior for gosh knows how long, at least seven years. During the regular season, their crowds aren't that great. It's not like making them the best team in the province continues to bring fans in. There's just too many options for lower mainland fans to go watch lacrosse. And the same fans seem to be going to games, the real diehard ones, especially in the WLA. It's, you can see the same people at pretty much every rink. But when there are games seven nights of the week, there's too many options. So if the Maple Ridge Burrard Senior A team or the Ridge Meadows Minor Association, whatever it may be, were to get a Junior A club, that means you'd have nine teams. And that's still way too many. Because you still have a massive gap between, you know, the, the Junior Adnacks who are going, say, 17-3, and three, and the team at the bottom of the standings, Burnaby or whoever it may be, that's winning two games. There's no fun in leagues like that for teams and for players that are just getting absolutely canned every night. So, yes, while I truly think that there should be a team out in Maple Ridge, I don't think they deserve one. I think one is necessary. But I also believe that the BC Junior League needs to shrink drastically. I'm interested to see how this new system with um, intermediate, or sorry, with intermediate basically being wiped away, how the new junior tier system works. Because I think that that can truly be, I don't want to say groundbreaking situation for the junior league, but I truly think it can help. Because I think as long, like, Burnaby has had a junior team forever. They were a dynasty in the mid-90s when they were going like 10 Mintos in a row. But unfortunately, after the passing of Mr. Jack Crosby, that association has gone downhill. And they have one of the nicest arenas in the league, but they can't put 50 people in there. So... The discussion has to be made. The Board of Governors and the entire lacrosse community needs to figure out a way to fix the BC Junior A League. And yes, there should be a team in Maple Ridge. When we get the commissioner, Carl Christensen, on the show, we'll ask him why. Um, But this was their reasoning. The current policy regarding expansion and relocation is outdated and needs to be written Until this policy is renewed and approved by the governors, we will not be accepting applications for franchises. We will let those who have been interested in the past know when the new expansion and relocation policy is in place and provided it to them. So that is what the commissioner is saying. But here is the question everybody keeps asking, and this is what we'll ask them. They've known that these policies have been outdated for a long time. Why is it taking them now? to decide that it's time to renew and change these policies. These policies have been needed to change a long time ago. So I'm happy that they have acknowledged that change needs to be done. It's unfortunate that it's taken this long and it's going to cause a lot of battles off of the floor between people who think they should have a team and people who don't think they should have a team and everybody in between. It's going to get nasty before it gets better, and I hope people can can keep their heads cool and calm and not do anything stupid and just let the powers that be make the right decision, and hopefully the right decisions will be made for the betterment of lacrosse, not for the betterment, betterment of each association 
not for the betterment betterment of Board of Governors, for the sport, for the players, and for the growth, and for, truly, chances to win national championships for kids. Because that's important. And that's what all kids want. Kids want to win Mintos. And kids want to win Mintos for the association they grew up playing for. Drafts have to happen. There needs to be a player pool. But there's got to be a way to keep kids closer to home. Until we go to, like, a full junior league where kids are being drafted to outside of the lower mainland. We'll get into all that at another time. Thanks to Jesse King. Thanks to Jeff Shatler for stopping by the show this week. And as always, thanks to you for listening. My name is Teddy Jenner. You can find me on Twitter at Off the Crossbar, or you can email me, teddy.jenner at gmail.com. Two games on the schedule this week, Vancouver at Calgary. And then on Saturday, Toronto hosts the Saskatchewan Rangers. That is your Twitter game of the week. And this has been another edition of the Off the Crossbar podcast. Until next time, be excellent to each other.